Welcome to the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast, where we break down Bendis' iconic run on Ultimate Spider-Man, issues 1 through 160 in Earth 1610. I'm Zach. And I'm John, and this is our second time doing the intro with more energy this time, because we messed up the first time. I messed up. I did not have <laughs> echo cancellation on my side, and we got three minutes into the episode. It was all for the best, though. Because can you feel, you know, we're coming in hotter now. Oh, yeah. We are on fire trying to improve on last time. Because that's what we're always going to give you, folks, is 110%. (laughs) So, Zach, tell me about your week. I know you already did once, but I want to hear about it again because it was so awesome. Man, I really don't think it's a week worth describing twice. But since you asked, (laughs) um, I... Don't feel like I had a second to myself. Like I said last time, we're kind of trying to focus on health and fitness in our house. So we've been going to the gym, we've been meal prepping, and that just like has been draining me and taking a lot of time. So I didn't read these issues until last night. And that was like the first time I got a chance to just breathe. How about you? And you skipped the gym to read them, which is, you know... We could have just recorded tomorrow. You can go to the gym. <laughs> well, tomorrow is the conference championship game, so good luck oh, that's trying true. to yeah. know, get me away from that. Um. Well, real quick, not an ad for HelloFresh, but maybe it could be. But uh, speaking of meal prepping, Elizabeth and I just did HelloFresh and got some really good promo because of some other podcast I listened to. You know. Um. And oh, wait a minute. Our first. So- del- I'm. I'm. I'm pod. I'm, what is it? Pod adultery. <laughs> so HelloFresh advertises on pods. We have a pod. You love HelloFresh. That's a put match pieces, made in heaven. <laughs> put the pieces together here, folks. HelloFresh. Give us yes. a call. But I don't know if I love them yet because the first delivery comes tomorrow. But we are excited no. to, to start. You're excited. They have your intrigue at the very yeah. least. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I'll reiterate that yesterday I went to a bar because I'm a very popular person and not an old person at all. It's just general things we do, you know, go out on the town. Yeah, we like to party. We do fun things. Yeah. Um, And they had a drink called the Doc Ock, which was Dr. Pepper and rum. So so I, of course, had to drink some of those. Had to drink eight of them, to be exact. And as soon as I ordered one, Elizabeth goes are you going to talk about that on the pod and i said yeah i have to (laughs) so now we've talked about it (laughs) twice i feel like we have to come up with our own drink we'll think on it we're not going to do it right now because i don't think we'd get any quality content but next week we need to come in with a spider-man themed drink and we both just try it before we start recording yes i love it i i will definitely uh i'll 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 do that. I'll be thinking about that. Yeah. Um, And then I've got another big thing. Our listeners, our little webheads, will be psyched to hear that we have a YouTube channel now. What? It's got nothing on it except the first two episodes because I didn't want to put all of our episodes on like the same day. So I'm just going to space them out like a day by day thing. So yesterday I put episode zero on. Today I put episode one on. It is the ultimate Spider-Man podcast i didn't do the first read ultimate spider-man podcast 
because I wanted to try to get some uh, search en- engine optimization in. So I just went Ultimate Spider-Man podcast. But but I think that that can be changed if well, we want awesome. it to be. And this is news even to you because we have not discussed this yet. But I know we were thinking about doing some bonus episodes, some special non-Spider-Man related episodes. And we have a video feed that we don't still have the you know video feed from the older episodes. But in the future, if we ever wanted to do something special and we thought having visuals would help it, we could maybe throw what our cameras pick up up on the YouTube page. So I would even be thinking that I am okay with that a hundred percent. Like for every episode, but I thought it might be difficult for you as the editor, or is that something that you think will automatically get edited together when you just edit um, like the audio together? Well, I think part of editing a podcast is that it helps give the illusion that our, our thoughts flow coherently from one into another and we never make mistakes whereas which which we don't which we don't we don't edit (laughs) of course yeah the problem is when you do that with a video you can see exactly where the cut is yeah that's why like on the it's always sunny pod they do they have like clips or like they've got like the do you ever watch that on youtube I always watch it on YouTube. I'm not normally a creep. They throw up a screen, you know, where it's got like all their faces for a second and then it cuts back to them. So I feel like that pod in particular, it's good, but they kind of shot themselves in the leg as far as being listenable just on a podcast platform because they reference so often what's like what the viewers would be seeing and they'll put in clips from the show and stuff. So it's like, it's not the f- same experience to just listen to it. Well, I'm not going to badmouth the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia pod like you are. <laughs> well, obviously, they're more, you know. <laughs> no, no, you're more you're, successful you're, than us. You're right, though. I've never, ever listened to an episode. I've only watched the episodes. So you're you're right. And that is why I like watching them. So I can like see what they're talking about. Yeah, I mean, they do a good job, but I think that's the audience they cater to, is the viewers. So, so anyway, you can cut all this if you want, or you can leave it in. <laughs> we will see. Um, but anyways. Uh, yeah, should we get into it? Let's get into a word from our sponsor. Every business says they're better. But the ones that earn and display the BBB seal back it up. It instantly identifies businesses that are committed to operating with integrity, honoring promises, and telling the truth. Makes you wonder why every business doesn't have it. So look for it, because it's looking out for you. That's why it's the sign of a better business. And find a better business anytime at bbb.org. Wow, thank you, Better Business Bureau, for those words, and thank you for sponsoring the pod. John, you ready to get into the issues or you got anything else? I'm ready to get into the issues. I do have something interesting for the end of the episode, but but I'll hold on to it until the end. Ooh, good tease, good tease. All right, so um, let's start with a recap of what was happening before because I know we kind of did an off week last week looking at uh, Ultimate Team Up. So maybe we, you know, 
maybe some people might forget where we left last left Peter. I kind of did. I got you, bud. I took notes on <laughs> this because I knew we would need a reminder. Um, so Doc Ock and Peter fought at Hammer Industries Nuclear Dome and Doc Ock beat Peter up pretty convincingly. Um, he got away, but his costume was mostly destroyed in the process. He like lost the shirt portion of it. Uh, and he's in his basement injured and still wearing what's left of his costume as Aunt May gets home early and starts coming down the basement stairs towards him. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so that brings us into uh, Ultimate Spider-Man issue 19, written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Mark Bagley, colored by Transparency Digital, inked by Art to Bear, and lettered by Dave Sharp. So we open on Aunt May walking down the doorway, walking into the doorway of the basement that Peter is in, saying, Peter, I'm home. And he stands there frozen in panic because he's still partially in his Spider-Man costume. And she doesn't see him and walks back the other way into the kitchen to set down her purse. And she just continues talking to him and calling out for him as he runs up the side of the house and crawls into the upstairs bathroom window. And she hears him hit the ground as he falls through the window and calls up to him. And he tells her he's in the bathroom having bad poops. And he just sits against the wall, defeated, and says to himself, big time superhero. Uh, The next day at school, Craven's show is about to start filming. And a producer of Craven's show is addressing the students, telling them what to do and what to expect. And Mary Jane tells Peter his face is healing, to which he says, yeah, not fast enough. And the producer tells the students, Craven will not be signing autographs today. And Flash Thompson says, that's bull. And Gwen Stacy says, neither will I, by the way. I think that producer was kind of like, I think she was being mean. You know, she seemed happy when she was like, you know, he's not going to be signing autographs today. I don't know. She she rubbed me the wrong way in that scene. Yeah, someone in show business being condescending to the extras. Yeah, condescending. That's a great word. Yeah. I can't imagine it. Yeah. <laughs> um, But I just love when Gwen says, neither will I, by the way, because she's just like, she is trying so hard to be like the class clown and steal the show every single scene. Yeah. Guess well, what? I don't know if it works. Cla- I don't know the class clown. She's, I'd say like the cool girl, not like the class clown. But maybe I'm like reading how she's saying these things like in a different tone than how you're reading how she like says these things. I mean, it's not necessarily a joke, but I think it comes across as funny. Oh, definitely. She's got some good lines in this one. Yeah. She's she's like a natural performer. She's putting on a performance to the people around her. And the producer finishes by telling the kids to just act normal. And Gwen says to Peter, I have an actor natural. Sorry. He says act natural. And Gwen says to Peter, I haven't acted natural since the third grade. And what happened to your face? And and she's the only one that's noticed, I think, is 
is something that I noted. You know, he's been at school and he's presumably even like seen Aunt May, but maybe he's been hiding. But Gwen is clearly the only one who's like pays attention to him at all outside of MJ. Yeah, she's shown a couple times now that she's pretty perceptive of like what's going on. Like she noticed yeah. and and acted when she saw him, you know, being bullied. Now she's noticing his face. Um she's yeah. like one of the few characters that he can't just kind of like you know, brush past and and fly under the radar with. Uh at first he says it's nothing and then he says he fell and Gwen's like fell off what? The Empire State Building? And she asks him, did any of those jerks do this to you? So, you know, she's probably got her knife ready. It's in her pocket or something. (laughs) And Peter says, no, really, I fell. Mary was there. Right, Mary? And MJ has an eyebrow raised as Gwen touches Peter's face. And she says, yeah, he fell all right, right down the stairs. And we can tell Gwen doesn't believe it, but she just like is like, okay, moving on. And right before then, when Gwen and Peter are talking about, you know, where'd you fall? The Empire State Building. They kind of have a little give and take where they're joking with each other and even like finishing each other's sentences. Like the exact, it says, you fell off what? The Empire State Building? Wow, does it hurt? Only when I exist. Man, you are one spastic herb. Well, we all have those things. And then Gwen finishes the sentence that make us us. So they're like right in front of Mary Jane. And, you know, I'm just not happy with Peter. But they do clearly have some sort of a, you know, connection. Yeah, there's a there's a charge there. There's a spark. Yeah. Um, And MJ sees it, too. She is like, yeah, kind of glaring from the side, which she should be. Just then, Craven enters the school, and the cameras are rolling, and he's being interviewed by Betty Brant. We remember her from the Daily Bugle scene, right? Several episodes ago. Um, she's like a reporter over there, yeah. Yeah, right? She's a yeah. Daily Bugle reporter. Yeah. Um, and she's asking him why he's come to hunt Spider-Man, and if it's some kind of game to him. And he tells her, I do not joke when it comes to the hunt. And he looks at the boarded up section of the brick wall where the school was damaged during the Green Goblin attack. And he says, if anything, I now realize why the hunt has called me to this place. I am helping the authorities tracking a wanted man. And he sniffs the wood boards and then turns around and starts smelling around the room. That's just full of students. And you can kind of tell MJ and Peter are like nervous that he smells Peter or something. And Gwen breaks Craven's concentration and ruins the scene by saying, hey, guys, is it just me or does he smell vaguely of kitty litter? <laughs> and and he's. I I mean, he's obviously putting on a show because he's quite literally putting on a TV show, but it just seems like the stupidest thing in the world. He's just like walking around like. It's almost like when you watch a show or like a ghost hunter thing and they're like way above and beyond. They're like looking in the corner and they're like, oh, I'm really sensing an energy over here or something (laughs) like, you know, he's just like going like corner to corner on the boards, like looking at them 
deeply just so like his camera crew can get shots of him like hunting you know it's uh, his instincts are pretty silly yeah he he caught something the police missed a hundred times yeah it's 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 pretty i thought it was pretty silly it it absolutely was silly yeah Uh, but they don't know what to think of him so they're like yeah yeah that's true is this guy for real does is he about to figure us out by smelling peter's scent on the board yeah um later mj brings peter's new suit that she made by his house and while he tries it on he she asks him so hey uh do you like that gwen girl and he says uh she's all right kind of screwy don't you think actually zach i'm gonna stop you here okay because i'm gonna correct what mj actually asked peter she said do you like like that gwen stacy girl and peter responded with she's all right it's just like awful i mean if she had said because i had to reread it because the first time i read it i was also like okay do you like gwen she's all right people can be friends you know that's fine but she said do you like like gwen and so his response is just totally like you gotta you gotta shut that down now younger listeners might not pick up on the nuance here but (sighs) when we were kids and when this was being written (laughs) you didn't say you know you had a crush on someone it was oh i like like them. i like like them (laughs) and i think i skipped over that because a it's been forever since i've heard that in that context and b i feel like these characters just say like a lot anyways as a filler word because you know bendis is trying to write them as real people so i read it as do you like like gwen oh like do you see like seriously like do you think she's interesting but you're probably right that if he said like like in the early 2000s she was asking a different question yeah (laughs) that's a good catch so yeah so this is a test and so this is a test <laughs> because we know Peter doesn't understand women. He's about to fail spectacularly. <laughs> he says, uh, she's all right. Kind of screwy. Don't you think? Which is a good start. That's what she wants to hear. Which is, but then he, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, which is also true. You know? Yes. She is Ob- kind of screwy. <laughs> objectively. And then he continues shooting himself in the foot and he says, but Hey, She's a lot more interesting than everyone else that we know. Got to give her that. Which I think if MJ was just asking like, hey, do you like this person like as a friend, you know, then that's a fine response. And like they could be like the three amigos like Gwen could be friends with them. But obviously, if MJ is asking if he has a crush on her, then he needs to answer that in a totally different way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, MJ just says true, just as Peter says, ta-da, and has finished putting on, uh, the shirt portion of his costume and she frowns at the floor and then starts to walk away. And he's just now putting together that something's wrong. And he says, uh, what are you leaving? Where are you going all of a sudden? Are you mad at me? And Mary Jane says no. And Peter repeats no. And she says no again. And he says, you seemed mad. And she yells, well, I'm not. Can I go? And she leaves Peter standing there shocked. 
And every time she says no, like the art displays a different no. Like one is mad, one is sad, one kind of maybe looks confused. But like you can tell that in, in all of them, she is definitely mad. She's she's mad and getting madder. And for our younger younger listeners again, women don't like it when you keep asking them if they're mad, even if they're clearly mad. <laughs> You've got to find some other way to <laughs> figure that out than yes. just saying, "Are you mad? You seem mad." <laughs> step one: pick up on the hint. Step two: figure out what step two is. But yeah, <laughs> step two is never keep asking. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the scene changes and we then see Justin Hammer walking into an office building surrounded by reporters yelling out questions about Dr. Octavius and the attack on the energy dome. And we're told by an assistant that this is a public, public relations nightmare, blah, blah, blah. Can't talk. Well, it happens once an episode, folks. Happens once an episode, (laughs) folks. Except for sometimes it happens twice, and then I have to delete myself saying that again because it just sounds like an excuse. Um, uh, another assistant is telling him, everyone wants to hear from Mr. Hammer, but they're going to run the story with or without talking to him. And Hammer Time enters an elevator with his assistants and bodyguards, and it's clearly starting to snap. He's uh, snatching a phone from one of them just to yell at the person on the other end. And as he exits the elevator, he says, this day is going rather badly. And from off panel, someone asks, how do you think I feel? And we see Peter is sitting and, there. And I, I'm going to, sorry, I want to interrupt real fast. The, the phone that he snatched to yell at, that was the, I think it was one of the doctors working on the Doc Ock stuff. And s- so that doctor was calling to talk to Justin Hammer. Hammer is like, I don't want to. This guy's screwed up everything for me. So he just takes the phone and he's like, you know, whatever. Says something angry, yells at him over the phone and then hangs up. So he doesn't even like talk to him, you know? Yeah. So we know he has his hands in a lot of illegal experiments. So I wasn't even sure if that other scientist was related to the Doc Ock thing at all. I, it could have been something else that he had his hand in. Um, well, I think we find out he he is somehow in the next like couple pages. I thought we find out that Doc Ock thinks he is, but you you could totally oh, okay. be right. Okay. Either okay. way, the context we'll there <laughs> is that, yeah, he's mad at this dude. Or he's yeah. mad and he's lashing out at this dude. Um, So Peter is waiting for him in his spidey suit sitting on hammer's desk flipping through his address book and he says man you stink you do you entirely stink on a scale of one to ten ten being the stinkiest you're a 14 is this really madonna's number so do you think he was talking about justin hammer do you think he was negative self talking about himself i I kind of had to reread it a couple times and I am still not sure. I think he's talking to hammer cause he showed okay. up there specifically to ask hammer like, Hey man, what the heck? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
So Hammer's bodyguards reach for their guns and Peter webs their hands to their shirts because the guns are like in a holster, like under their suit jacket. And then he also webs up one of the secretary's hands because she has her phone up to her ear and she yells at him. Oh, come on. It was a phone (laughs) to which Peter says, oh, uh, sorry. (laughs) And Peter tells Hammer that he had been trying to help him and do the right thing. And he asks if Hammer had been dragging Spider-Man's name through the mud just to distract people um, from asking why Doc Ock is trying to kill him. And Hammer admits to him that's exactly what he was doing. And then he asks Peter how much. And Peter's like, how much what? And Hammer Time responds, how much to take care of it? The doctor with the arms. How much (laughs) do you want to take care of him? And he offers Spider-Man $50,000. And Peter says, first you slam me in the press for trying to help you. Now you offer me money to do what I was willing to do for free before you slammed me in the press for doing it. You were some piece of work. And he jumps out the window. So on a piece of work scale, because last week I called Gillette from the team up episodes, a real piece of work. Yeah. When he was making his kids stand in front of the windows on a piece of work scale. Who do you think's higher? Easily Gillette, but okay, easily Gillette. We can start a piece of work Hall of Fame on this podcast, and it's like so far that we got like Norman Osborne as a father and ethical scientist, yeah, and we've got Gillette again for like fatherly stuff, yeah, and then Justin Hammer, yeah. We need one more for a piece of work, Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Okay. Um. And so Peter Man's Peter Man, Peter Man, (laughs) Spider Parker. So Spider Man's gone. He's out of the scene. And the doctor who Hammer was yelling at over the phone calls Hammer's secretary just then. And they put it on the video screen. And uh, Hammer starts to berate the man, but he doesn't move or say anything. And eventually a drop of blood starts to fall from the man's mouth. And then his body just gets flung to the side by Dr. Octopus. And Otto tells Hammer that this is all payback for his metal arms. And Justin Hammer maintains that he had nothing to do with Otto's accident, but tells him, if you have something to say to me, I say, I say, I say, say it to my face. (laughs) And Otto tells him, okay, come to me. I'll tell you to your face. Let's make a deal. And Hammer asks, you know, if you harm me, you get nothing. You know that, right? And Otto just responds, I do. Not really sure what that was in reference to, the if you harm me, you get nothing. Um, I think it's just because Hammer is like rich as can be and like has a lot of power just in general over things. And it's like, you know, if. If Doc Ock can basically ask him for like any amount of money and he'll probably give it to him. But if he just kills him, he's going to get nothing. You know, I think he's assuming just intuitively that this is a problem that can be solved by throwing money at him. Yeah. And Doc Ock is also thinking that same thing. Like, that's what he thinks Doc Ock is thinking. Like, well, he's just going to want money. 
I can see that being how a rich person would think he's going to solve this problem, but to you and me, it seems pretty clear that Doc Ock is interested in revenge. <laughs> Doc Ock has not... killed like seven people looking for him. <laughs> yeah, there's no amount of money that's going to make him think, you know, maybe I should let bygones be bygones. Yeah. <laughs> um. So they're going to meet, and later in Hammer's limousine, his secretary is still trying to rip the webs that are sticking her phone and hand to her ear apart and that's very funny like it's just we know it takes a long time for it to dissolve and so she just has her phone to her her ear semi-permanently right now um and people keep honking at the limousine and we see that the reason is because spider-man is on the roof and elsewhere craven's marketing guy we remember marketing guy right oh yeah he busts into a room yelling Craven, baby, get dressed. We got a Spider-Man sighting on. Oh, and he sees Craven is sitting there with his shirt off and his arm around Betty Brandt. And he tells Craven they're going to find Spider-Man. And Betty says, I'm going too," because she's a reporter and she wants the scoop. And the marketing guy tells her that they have the exclusive broadcasting rights. And she starts to argue. And Craven just knocks her out by touching a pressure point on her neck. And he says, do New York women ever shut up? Okay, so that's what he did. He knocked her. I had no idea what happened there. I just wrote he like kind of violently grabbed her or something, but I couldn't really tell what was happening. I had to look at it over and over again because like it seems like his hand has like some motion lines behind it. And I'm like, oh, he slapped her across the face and knocked her out. But then it's like you see the way his hand is positioned and you're like, no, that can't possibly be it. It's like on the back of her neck. And then I was like, oh, it's on the back of her neck. And he's Mm. like one of those cheesy like like TV show characters like Jack Bauer or something where he probably knows, oh, if I touch her right here, she'll just deactivate. I'm not sure I like the comparison of a comic book villain to Jack Bauer, but I I understand. I loved 24 when it was on, but Jack Bauer is yeah. kind of a villain too. Yeah. He's probably, that, that show probably hasn't aged as well. As <laughs> Not at all. It's yeah. straight up propaganda, but it yep. was fun. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we then see his possibly Wakandan, possibly girlfriend in a bathrobe in the doorway. She's always wearing a bathrobe <laughs> for some reason. I wrote his Wakandan girlfriend. <laughs> I so you have a couple possibilities in there that I just skipped, I, but she's but he's there with Betty Brant, you know, right in front of her. So I don't know if it is girlfriend. I have no idea either. Yeah, I could not remember her playing like a role in you know this series, and I try not to you know Google stuff too much because I just try and read ahead or try and remember where it's going or whatever. But I was like, who is this character? I think it feels like she's going to come up and I Googled it. And this arc is like her only appearance and she never says a word. She doesn't have a single speaking line. (laughs) So we don't know who she is. I'm pretty sure that she is like his hunting buddy kind of. And the first time we meet her, I think that they are his marketing guy is saying we should run a storyline where you guys start dating. Like you guys should start dating because also she's Wakanda and that's when she cuts him off. So 
I don't think they're actually dating. I think they might be like dating for the show, though. You know? Yeah, it's very vague. It's yeah. It seems like it seems that like was... she's not that important based on what you just said. So not at all. But it it feels when she's presented, it feels like she should be like it's going to lead to at least something. I think we've probably spent more time talking about her on this podcast than her <laughs> combined uh, panels she's in. One hundred percent. But anyways, he says to her, uh, Tabidi. So at least she has a name. And he says, it's time to hunt. So we see Justin Hammer's limousine arrive at another Hammer Industries building. This one's like a factory of some kind. And Dr. Octopus is there waiting for him, surrounded by reporters. And he proclaims, and there, ladies and gentlemen, is the man who made me what I am today. The man who turned my life into the horror that you see before you. Any questions? Um, pretty good. I really liked the ending of it with Hammer driving up and Doc Ock having the press conference. Yeah, it's a, it's a good little cliffhanger. You know, yeah. something climactic's about to happen. Yep. Um... What do you think? I I I want to hear your thoughts before I give mine. I think we're starting to see cracks in the relationship between Peter and MJ. Obviously, they haven't been dating long. They're very young, but there's already uh, you know some trouble in paradise there because of Gwen Stacy. Um, I think we're learning more about Gwen as a character like that she notices everything and that for whatever reason, she feels like she has to, you know, be the subject of attention or put on a show for the people around her. But like deep down is a good person. Yeah. Um, I think the Justin hammer stuff and the Craven's girlfriend stuff could be a little clearer. I think that would really help this arc go a long way, but I just think maybe, maybe there was like an intention there, but there wasn't like the exactly the room like page length for them to get to it. Yeah. I, I had fun going through it with you just now. I liked going through it more than I actually liked reading it. This is what I, this is what I wrote last night after I finished it. This issue felt like filler, the hammer stuff. I want to like it because I like Justin Hammer and I love the Southern accent, but it just seems to drag, um, which I think it kind of does. Like we've been on Justin Hammer for multiple issues now. And like you said, it's still kind of unclear and it's just not really moving towards anything. Like it seems like it seems like we've been waiting for Justin Hammer and Doc Ock to meet for a while, you know, and then. And then I said, especially compared to the Punisher and Daredevil issues we got last week, where so much, I think, was explained about the Punisher, and it was such a tight issue, and it was so good. And then you get one like this where, I, you know, we're spending a lot of time with... Gwen and Peter and Mary Jane and uh, that all that stuff is good. But I, but I, we, I don't know. It seems like we've spent a lot of time with that. So there's still a lot of positive moments in it. I, 
I wrote, I'm excited to see the Craven spider storyline, but even that was kind of put on the back burner this episode. And it seems like we've been just getting to it for like two or three issues. Now we're just like kind of slowly moving towards it. The Spidey scene with hammer where he is getting bribed is a really good, uh, scene, I think. So there were some good things. I didn't like it overall that much. I gave it four out of 10 bad poops. Wow. <laughs> so would would not more bad poops be like a worse review? Because you don't want to have 10 <laughs> yeah, out of 10 bad poops. Okay, I guess that's true. I think we're working Maybe. on a double negative now. Yeah, okay. Okay, four out of 10 good poops. Or okay. six out of ten bad poops. <laughs> <laughs> Conversion here. Yeah. Um, I I gotta say, I loved the Punisher issues, obviously, as much as the next guy, but I feel like it's a little unfair to compare those to It probably is. That, a that's monthly ongoing comic that has to like slowly roll things out. Because oh, those oh. were all time, all time great comics. Like I would put those up there with just about anything I've ever seen Marvel publish. And they were just a neat little three story arc where you didn't need anything more. Yeah. And I think that um, you're right. It's not fair at all to compare it to that um, because they're so different. And when you were explaining what you liked about the episode, you know, you do touch on those things about like Peter and Mary Jane's relationship evolving and the stuff with Gwen evolving and, and we're slowly getting all these and it is this is way more of like a nine season tv show you know than a movie um and maybe i kind of need to put myself in that mindset where like every single thing is gonna like build on each other over a lot of issues versus you know, something like Spider-Man meets Daredevil and they have like a team up for one issue where they're going to cover a ton of stuff in one issue, like a ton of big things. So I, like I said, I like going through it more than I liked reading it. Yeah. And I think that's an apt comparison that this is like a TV show. Cause I'm thinking like, you know, if you showed someone who had never seen Breaking Bad, one randomly picked episode of Breaking Bad, like the fly say, episode that everyone like lo- do you remember that one uh, yeah that's very divisive because it's a uh, ryan johnson and everything he makes oh. is divisive yeah but yeah I, I liked that but um but exactly the reason why you like it isn't because it's a great story about a man hunting a fly in a lab it's because it like tells you something about these characters that you're following over a long period of time yeah Yep. So how how many uh, good or bad poops? I'm going to give this one six good poops, four bad poops out of ten. Okay. Okay. I can dig it. Yeah. Pretty average, but, you know, it it works. It helps. Yeah. It's not a bad story. All right. Issue 20. Are we moving on? Do you have anything else you want to add to issue 19? We're moving on. Take us there, bud. Written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Mark Bagley, inked by Art to Bear, and colored by Zach. Who is it? Transparency Digital. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't write down the corporations. Yeah. So, but I can start doing that because I noticed that you do. So. Yeah, and lettered by Dave Sharp. 
Okay. We are on Craven's bus on the way to Hammer Industries. Craven's news reporter is explaining the situation. Is that do do I have that right? I I is that Betty Brandt? I should probably pull it up and be No, he knocks her out. It's like someone that works for him. Okay. And I don't know if you picked up on this, but I got a very um Mac from Always Sunny trying to report the news vibe from it. Like one ear one finger to your ear and say good afternoon philadelphia yeah oh my gosh on pursuit like it was (laughs) so dramatic and cheesy so amazing yeah and i'm glad you said that and i'm glad i looked at it also because now of course that's not betty brant because it's a male news reporter so so it's yeah it's craven's news reporter they're on the bus he's kind of like reporting on craven's tv show and he's like we just got word that Spider-Man's been seen on a limo where on the way there, Spider-Man's going to Hammer Industries where Doc Ock is there. And he's like totally over explaining the situation, just like you said. And they, the director is like, cut, you're over explaining. All we need you to say is we found Spider-Man. We're on the way to him. The rest is jibber jabber. People don't care about it. And they yell action. And the news reporter immediately starts like going off on, uh, you know, on a big long spiel about what's happening. He does I'll it even, again. Yeah, I'll even. <laughs> I'll try. To, I'll try to find like the whole thing. He goes, "We don't need you to say anything. Just say we found Spider-Man. We're on the way." And action. As you can see, the entire crew of the Craven the Hunter show has packed itself onto the Craven American tour bus. As regular viewers know, Craven's pre-hunt meditation ritual is the single most important thing of the hunt. And he's and we see like Craven meditating, and it's the stupidest looking thing you've ever seen. And the anchor is just going on and on. And finally they yell cut, and they're like, We got it. Fine, we got it. <laughs> and the the anchor is like can I do it again? I really think I can do better if I do it again. And they're like, no, we got it. It's okay. It's like, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I I liked it a lot. Also little throwaway character that just like starts the episode off with a bang. Yeah. Um, Um, I gotta say, so that, that sequence, it actually like does something pretty clever. Um, So, you know, we can look at it and just say, oh, you know, this guy's an idiot and he's over explaining and that's the joke. But really, so for decades, like the rule at Marvel Comics was you have to assume any given comic book can be someone's first issue ever. And you have to explain who the people are, what their powers are and what happened in the last like issue within like the first three pages. So that's why if you open up like a really old like comic book, like from the 70s or 80s or something, the very first three pages are going to be like, oh, look out, Marvel girl, your telekinesis can't blah, 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 blah. And yeah, that like the characters are doing like a well, as you know, Bob kind of thing, explaining what, you know, if you're reading it every month, you already know. Yeah, I think Bendis is doing a play on that here because people kind of hated that and it's definitely not a thing that still happens in modern comics. Oh, that's really clever because he did basically got to explain it at all, like in two different big sections without it really seeming like that. He gets this funny sequence where someone is giving you 
all the exposition you would possibly need, but they make they turn it into a joke. Yeah. Um, so he ends, the anchor ends, or or maybe not the anchor ends, they're they're talking after they yell cut and they say, Okay, we're almost there. It's almost time for television history. And then we immediately cut to Doc Ock, who is kind of saying the same thing. And it's a pretty cool panel, so I'll try to explain it. And Zach, you can jump in if if you want to add anything. But it's a it's a huge panel. It takes up the entire horizontal length of the page. And Doc Ock is saying like seven different speech bubbles. And the way it's drawn, all of his arms are kind of sprawling out over the crowd of reporters. And it looks like each arm is saying a different part of Doc Ock's speech because of the way where they put the text bubbles. I don't know if you thought that too, Zach, or if you just like thought, oh, that's just where they are. And maybe I'm like reading too into it. But that's kind of what I thought. It's like, this is like his arms, you know, because he's Doc Ock now. So it's like, no, you're right. That is very cool. I did not notice that. So there's six text boxes along his six mechanical arms. And then the very like the seventh one is coming out of his face, his head. So I think you're right that that there was some significance there. Um, what I noticed was that this whole page is laid out uh, horizontally instead of vertically, which tells me this yeah. was a two page spread. And it's like you would have turned the page and this would have taken up both uh, sides of the book. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Doc Ock speech, I'm going to read it from him in his arms. He says, I do believe this is television history. Ladies and gentlemen of the stilted and arrogant, ignorant press today, you are going to hear the shocking confessions of a manipulative and truly evil man. The man who turned my normal life of science into the horror you see before me. This is the man who made me Otto Octavius into a mockery called Dr. Octopus, which is hilarious. And in Spider-Man 2, I think we get J. Jonah Jameson even saying something like a man named Otto Octavius ends up with eight arms called Dr. Octopus. That's insane. (laughs) (laughs) The man who behind the walls of this factory behind me has committed crimes against mankind that you have only read about in science fiction. Come on out, Justin Hammer. Confess your sins for all the world to hear. Confess your sins. Prepare yourself for your next life. And then we get the text box from Doc Ock's mouth himself because it is coming sooner than you think. I really liked it. Um, I think it's set up very, very cool. Uh, And I'm sure that that was, you know, cool turning the page and seeing that entire uh, panel page horizontal. Yeah, and kudos again to whoever chooses where the word bubbles go. I don't know if it would be the letterer or if it would be the writer or the artist, but this could so easily be just one long block wall of text. And they did a good job of like actually making it easy to follow and fun to follow, like John said, and like interweaving it between his arms and making it like have some kind of significance there that there's as many text boxes along his arms as the number of arms he has. Yeah. And I also read it as like, this is, you know, this is like Dr. Octopus talking, you know, this isn't Otto Octavius at all, 
you know, his, his like villain is talking. So, so Doc Ock is screaming at Hammer's limo. He's taunting him about not having anything to say and being shy because Hammer's obviously staying in his limo um, with all these reporters here. And Hammer's, I said, publicist slash assistant yells at the limo driver to turn it around and get out of there. The driver tries to, but Doc Ock easily smashes a hole into the windshield and picks the entire car up. Uh, he also annihilated the driver of the limo when he smashed a hole through it. <laughs> yeah, he impaled him and just kept going yeah. through the car seat. Yeah. Um, Doc Ock is holding the car up in the air, the driver dead. Hammer and his assistant are kind of falling around the car that's being like waved around in the air. And Doc Ock is giving a big villain speech about how he's going to kill them, which he has done a couple times now. And you already know what's going to happen right as he's about to make his move. He gets webbed in the face. And Peter says, that's it, Octopussy. I can't watch any more of this. Have you no heart? Have you no feelings? Haven't people in limos been persecuted enough? <laughs> so Spidey is cracking jokes about Doc Ock's haircut. And uh, he kind of distracts him. Doc Ock drops the car down, smashes it on the ground. We get a brief shot of Hammer's assistant being okay. But Hammer's status is kind of unknown. I, I sort of looked around to try to see if I could pick up any clues on what was happening. And the only thing I did see was he kind of looks like he's clutching at his chest. Um, but maybe that's just how his arm fell. Um, but so that's maybe what it looked like. Uh, but, but it's kind of left ambiguous. Peter is upset with Doc Ock because he knows in the past he's jumped into fights too quickly. He hasn't really assessed the situation first. And we even saw that with the Punisher when he lets Gillette go uh, in, in our very last. Even that's in the future. Oh, has that already happened at that's this point in, in the story? His past. Yeah. So I think he's specifically referencing kicking G uh, the Punisher in the face and letting Gillette go. That's funny. I did not. I, I actually thought that those meetups were still coming in, in his future. Nope. I didn't know that we were reading that chronologically. So so he's saying, you know, I've jumped into fights too fast before and I was gonna, you know, you seem like a good guy. I kind of felt bad for everything that happened to you with the, all the arms, but here you are just acting like a typical movie villain. I think he said a Dennis Hopper movie villain who, I don't, he was in Speed. I know that. I'm aware that he exists, but I don't know what a yeah. Dennis Hopper movie would be. <laughs> So Doc Ock assumes that Spidey's another hammered genetic freak, but Spider-Man says, no, I'm a genetic freak all of my own. And Spider-Man's in the middle of kind of joking that Doc Ock should really rent himself out as an amusement ride for kids when he just gets knocked into the news van. So, he, you know, maybe less time on jokes and you got to pay attention a little bit more. So we cut to multiple points of view of people watching the news story. All of this is happening live. And first we see Craven and his team watching the news on their bus on the way over. They question if they should turn around because obviously they weren't prepared for all of this to be happening, but they choose not to. Uh, and MJ is watching the news also looking concerned. Doc Ock has the upper hand in the fight because he knocks Peter against the news van and he's just got him completely 
bound with all of his arms. Spider-Man's unable to do anything. He's about to get electrocuted. And they kind of have of, a brief... One of the arms ends is like, like opens up and it has like a taser on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they kind of have a brief talk. Spider-Man's like, how can your arms do all this? They could not do all this last time we fought. And Doc Ock's like, yeah, I did some experimenting on him. So now they can shoot but guns you know and and explosives and apparently they can electrocute which i wrote that i thought it could do that last time they fought also but maybe i'm thinking of some other electrocution that i'm remembering uh but they definitely couldn't shoot guns or anything last time they fought so my question is he can experiment on himself to turn his arms into guns but he can't no one else can experiment on him he, he can't take them off Actually, that's an, a really good point. Yeah, he likes having them on. Yeah, He's just he, being angry for the sake of being angry. Yeah, he wishes he had been the one to think of it is the real, the real problem. Yeah, that's true. He's like, oh, my name is Otto Octavius. How did I not think of this? <laughs> um, so there, he's about to electrocute Peter, probably kill him. He starts giving a big villain speech, which he loves to do, um, about how... He's not going to be the monster that other men would be with these powers. He controls his own destiny. This is such a funny thing for him to be like speaking about as he's like terrorizing people. Like he, he still to his credit, at least thinks he's like the good guy in this story. So Doc Ock says, I control my own destiny. And then Spider-Man says, I can barely even control my own bladder. And it kind of distracts Doc Ock for a quick second. And he's able to free his hands and web Doc Ock in the face. And from there, it's just a total beat down. Spider-Man kind of has his way with him. He rips off a couple of his arms and just completely knocks him out cold. He's, he's, he's lying on the pavement for the rest of uh, his time here. And we see that Mary Jane has been watching all this unfold on the TV. Yeah, I mentioned her earlier looking worried. Do they cut back to her after yeah, he's they, won? Yeah, they kind of go back and forth from her. Okay. Um. So, oh, I'm so sorry. Doc Ock's not on the pavement yet. I skipped ahead. So, Spider-Man webs him in the face and Doc Ock kind of just throws Spider-Man away with his arms. And then he's like, I'm not dealing with Spider-Man anymore. I'm, I'm here for Hammer. So he goes over to find Hammer and finish the job. And Hammer is not doing great already after the car fell. And he's unable to run away or fight or anything. He just tells Doc Ock. He kind of struggles to get the words out. And he just says that Doc Ock didn't deserve this. And Doc Ock's about to kill him. That's and then interesting. I thought he was talking to his assistant. Oh, I thought he was apologizing to her that like she's about to die because of him. Ooh, because she's in the in the flipped limo with him. Yep, he, he does say you didn't deserve this. But it, I thought maybe he was having a teensy bit of remorse. That's interesting. Um, let's see. You might be right. I could see it going either way. I don't know. It's not really clear. He could be talking. I I think he I don't know. That could that is very much up to interpretation. Um 
because he's not really looking at either of them. His assistant is closer to him and she's in the panel with him when he says it. Um, but that's very ambiguous. I think who he's talking to. Uh, so Doc Ock is about to kill Justin Hammer, finish the job. When all of a sudden we see a uh, web go on to Doc Ock's pants and Spider-Man pants him revealing his tidy whities and Spider-Man mentions the tidy whities and is kind of making fun of him. And, and in this confusion for everything, that's when, you know, Doc Ock's trying to pull his pants back up. And that's when Spider-Man just, just beats the ever loving mess out of him. And he, that's when he rips off his arms, one of them or two of them. And Doc Ock is now just out on the pavement. So he's won the fight against Doc Ock. Everything is great. He's about to go home. Job well done. And just when it looks like everything's over, Craven shows up pointing and staring menacingly at Spider-Man. And Peter just says to himself, don't these people know I have a curfew? And uh, to be continued. Yes. So, John, what'd you think about this one? Um, once again, I had more fun going through it now than I than I did um last night. But so I, I said last night I wrote not terrible, not great. We start with a really good scene with Doc Ock's speech and Hammer rolling up in the limo, but then that whole payoff never comes, which you know. Like I said at the end of last episode, I feel like we've been waiting for a Doc Ock hammer, just like conversation or, you know, for a while. And I would like to get everything kind of explained more. And that doesn't really come. Um, And then later we even get another scene of hammer um, and Craven or of hammer and Otto together. And then he gets pants. So we never really... You know, I thought we were at least about to get something when he said you didn't deserve this. And then that never really comes either. So I was kind of waiting for a payoff there. Craven's storyline again takes a backseat and he only shows up in like the very last panel, really. Um, but that'll probably be like the forefront of the of the next issue. So I didn't dislike it. I had fun going through it. I gave it three out of five genetic freaks. Okay. All right. But all of my grading scales on these three were not great grading scales. So if you have a better grading scale on any of them, you can. How about three out of five attempted news intros? Okay. (laughs) That's that's I like that one more. Okay, cool. Um, I liked, you know, going back to that, the news intro, that really feels like it's not memorable. Like I didn't remember it going in, but because the, the main point of this issue is the fight to defeat Doc Ock. Um, yeah. but like just rereading it, that was the part that made me the happiest in this story yeah. because it was so well paced and written and it was just fun. Um, yeah. I'm going to give it four out of five uh, attempted news intros. um, And I almost changed it to four out of five before I um, get like when I was about to give it, I was like, oh, that was fun going through. Maybe I'll change it. But I kept it at three out of five. So, yeah. So that was a good touch. And then I've 
been on the record before as not loving like super fight heavy issues. This is very fight heavy, but for some reason, just like the pacing of it and the, the like slight changes, like, oh, now Doc Ock can fire a gun makes it a little bit more interesting than literally yeah. every other Spider-Man Doc Ock fight I've ever read in my life. Um, yeah, you were right that that big, like wide panel of Doc Ock giving his little speech that was really, you know, interesting, interestingly framed. Um, I just think there was enough good things about this and the conclusion of the Doc Ock story is like a big enough milestone early on in this series. I, I, you know, I think even though it didn't have all the interpersonal stuff that I, you know, is my bread and butter, it was still really well made. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Cool. We got a three out of five and a four out of five. All right. Rounding out our issues today, we've got issue 21 written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Mark Bagley, inked by Art to Bear, colored by Transparency Digital, and lettered by Dave Sharp. Craven says to Peter, our time has come, insect. Our battle is now. And Peter says, uh-huh, whatever. Actually, can you and your little friends help me get this girl out of this car? I think she's in shock or something. He's talking about Hammer's assistant and the flipped limo. And so he talks to Justin Hammer Time's assistant and she says... <laughs> Justin Hammer Time. Oh, you did that on purpose. Okay. <laughs> it's like, that's funny. I've been calling him that, like, you know, here and there the last several episodes. That's funny. I'm sure I caught it also last time and laughed, but. <laughs> <laughs> I've said it a few times today, I think. <laughs> Anyways, I, I got to get it in because, you know, just like the accent, like we don't have too much more time talking about Justin I Hammer know. Time. So got to seize the moment. <laughs> Um, so he talks to her, uh, the assistant, and she says she thinks Mr. Hammer had a heart attack and that he's dead. So that's, that's why I'm really trying to get my Justin Hammer content in. Mm -hmm. Um, and Peter tells Craven, Hey, listen, I'm going to rip off the door. Can you grab the girl? And Craven responds, we will do battle. Peter says, no, we won't. And Craven just grits his teeth. And Peter asks, are you kidding me? So he's only interested in fighting. He's not about to, you know, lose sight of his goal to, you know, save some life or anything. Yeah. And yeah. Spider-Man's doing a good job here. And he's growing Cra into his own. Yeah. And Craven charges at him screaming and Peter easily starts dodging Craven's attacks. And he's like urging him in every single panel to stop. And of course he doesn't. And eventually Peter takes a swing at Craven and uppercuts him right in the chin. And that single punch throws Craven backwards into his own bus and he's out cold. Yeah, he he is very easily dispatched. Spider-Man's like not even trying to fight him. He's just like dodging his punches as he's trying to get him to stop. And then just in one second, he's like. I'm not dealing with this guy anymore. He's like the most easily dispatched person in the entire. He is the entire. He run. is. It's yeah. Like we had these multiple issues of buildup and we know like from classic Spider-Man stuff, like he's supposed to be this pretty formidable villain. 
and then he goes down like a chump. Well, and if he, what's a real world counterpart to this? If we put like Steve Irwin, R.I.P. Of course, up against you know Spider Man, he'd get knocked out pretty quickly. It'd be an easy fight. It's like Steve Irwin versus Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good comparison. Yeah. And I mean, it's not just that, you know, he's not a supervillain. Like, he goes down easier than, like, your average purse thief. Yeah. It was, he was, yeah, he's out cold. And yeah. when they walk over to him, he's just, like, sleepy. <laughs> yeah. So that was the whole point of the Craven build up is just this joke here um and the marketing guy stands over craven saying craven crave crave baby and like john said all craven has to say is sleepy and then just passes back out and uh peter looks at the cameras and says i i told him not to i told him to stop it you all saw <laughs> And he mutters, huh, I thought he had superpowers or something. Showbiz phony. So maybe that's why he goes out easier than a purse thief. Because with a purse thief, Spider-Man's going to pull his punch. You know, he's not going to kill some a normal human. But Craven, he probably thought was stronger than a normal person. So he gave him like a superpower punch and it just knocked him out. Either way, it's it's very funny because yeah. even, even just as like a regular human, he's very muscular. He is strong. Yeah. And this is what happens. <laughs> um, so. So he helps Justin Hammer's assistant out of the flipped limo and the members of the press, including Ben Yerrick, we see that he's there, start applauding him. And a reporter runs over to Mike runs over to Peter with a microphone and says, that was amazing. And Peter responds, uh, not really. Two people died. And she asks him, did you know Justin Hammer? And he says, no. And another one says, but he trashed you in the press. He tried to blame you for all this. And Peter gives a great Peter answer. And he says, well, yeah, but that has nothing to do with this. It's sad when someone dies for no good reason like that. And he tries to leave and declines the request for interviews. But one of the reporters tells him that they're live on air and asks if he wants uh, to say anything. She says, everyone wants to know who you are. And Peter points at um, Octavius and says, I'm just like this guy. I fell backwards into some powers and I'm trying to do what I can. So people like him don't try to hurt people like you. And then she asks why he wears a mask and he explains it's to protect the people in his life. And just when he mentions that, we see MJ watching him live on TV. And he then summarizes what Uncle Ben used to tell him. And she's it, smiling. So maybe she's not as, you know, she might she might have forgiven him a little bit. Yeah, I think she's she's proud, like. Stopping multiple supervillains and saving lives is a bigger yeah good thing than giving the wrong answer about gwen stacy was a bad thing yeah um he then summarizes what uncle ben used to tell him 
that great power comes with a great deal of responsibility, and he thinks that goes for everyone. And Peter then says the cops are coming, so he needs to go. He checks again that everyone is okay, and then he swings away. And the main news anchor, not the fun one from Craven's bus, but like an actual one, uh, signs off by saying, it seems many people have misjudged Spider-Man, and it looks like New York has a true hero in its midst. We then see the NYPD arresting Craven and his entire crew. Not really sure what for, but, you know, it's a nice that's, little... That's what I was wondering. It's a nice little moment. They're like, there's, there's like one throwaway line from a reporter, and they're like, oh, it looks like the police are also arresting Craven's bus for their role in the situation. And it's like, what were they doing? <laughs> what was their role? Yeah. This man got assaulted, didn't you see? <laughs> whatever i mean we know he's a bad guy and his story's over so yeah. he has to go in jail for some vague yeah. reason um <laughs> shield also arrives and agent sharon carter orders agent Wu to clear the civilians and pick up the doctor so that's jimmy Wu. that's the randall parks character from the mcu we didn't know oh. his we didn't know his name and the other appearances, but now we do. The other shield agent? Yeah. Okay. And I love that they show up and they're immediately like, Who's in charge here? We'll be handling this. We're taking over this. It's like every time they show up, that is just their immediate go to. It's like we're we're taking over this jurisdiction. That's their whole day job. They just say that and then like drop it on Fury's desk. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Ben Yurick is still watching the whole thing and taking notes. And the anchor woman starts trying to ask Sharon questions about who she is and what's happening. But S.H.I.E.L.D. cuts their transmission. And as soon as they do, Sharon turns around and just kind of smiles and says, you lost your feed. So like she knows that they're whatever they they have to do to like jam well, those she, signals. I think she she did it. I think because she hit something on her watch, and then the next panel the cameraman's like, "We lost our feed," and then the next panel Sharon's like, "You lost your feed." So she she's the one doing it. Yeah. So she's really playing it fast and loose with you know the First Amendment, freedom of press rights, <laughs> whatever. Peter arrives back home in his street clothes. And when he walks in, Aunt May is sitting at the dinner table waiting for him. And she asks, do you know what time it is? And when Peter says no, she tells him it's three o'clock in the morning. And she asks him where he was. And he's like, uh, the, the Daily Bugle. And she's like, that's funny. I already called the Bugle. And they said they haven't seen you all week. And then he tries to make up a story. He's like, oh, they probably don't know who I am. They just all call me the kid there. And uh, she's not having it. And she sees a bruise on his arm and he makes up another lie about it. And again, she knows he's lying. And uh, finally, he's like, actually, I was with Mary Jane. And May tells him, I don't care if you respect me or not, young man, but as long as you live in this house you will respect the rules of the house. And I, the way I read all of this, I would say you're understating her like anger. That's, Oh yeah. 
currently like going on. Like she's, I think like full on yelling at him. Like, you know, um, I mean, as a parent would yell at their child when they're getting lied to repeatedly, like, you know, like she's been waiting up worried, sick. She's like worried and yelling and like angry. And he's still only 15. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it makes sense that she's worried that he's not home at three o'clock and doesn't know where he is and can't reach him anywhere. And I think this next panel is where that anger really blows up because you could tell that it was like kind of bubbling under the surface. But then she slams her fists on the table and yells, Mary's house is the first place I called. And she tells him Mary was home all night, but she sure tried to cover for you. And uh, she told May that Peter was at the library. So now she's yelling for the rest of this conversation. And she says, so which was it, Peter? Were you at work, at the library, or at Mary Jane's? Which stupid, insulting lie do you want to stick with? And she says she doesn't want to find out he's in some kind of mischief with his friends at school. And Peter starts laughing and he says, what friends? And that makes her even more angry. And she just says, haven't I grieved enough for one lifetime? Now I have to sit here and wonder what happened to you. And uh, she says, until he can figure out how to get home at a responsible hour and not lie to her, Peter is grounded. That means no more working at the Daily Bugle. No more Mary Jane Gigglethons in the basement. And she tells him she's going to call the school and his work to inform them of this as well. And then she kind of ends the conversation by saying, now get out of my sight until you can figure out how to tell the truth. So this was a very emotional scene. John, what what did you think? of it? Yeah, um, I loved it. I thought it was great. It was uh, I mean, it's like so realistic to what would be happening, you know, and Aunt May is like also totally on the ball. Like she's already called the bugle. Peter says he's at the bugle. She's already called it. Peter says he's at MJ's. She's already called, you know, like she, she has such good reasons to be like screaming at him and worried. I thought it was excellent. The whole thing. Yeah. Uh, there's like the part of me that doesn't like it because like I, I it was such a different like issue before that point it was funny it was triumphant you know he he was telling jokes he beat up craven he had just beat doc ock he talked to the press and everything like you really see like peter is riding a high and you think if only may knew what he just did and like you know how good of a kid he's turned out to be she wouldn't she wouldn't see it this way but based off of the information she knows she is justified to be yelling at him but based off of what we know we're like oh come on he doesn't deserve that so it's just like this very tragic fight but he also does deserve it because the reason he's upset she's upset is because she just doesn't know where he is and she's worried about him and her husband, you know, died recently also. So she even like mentions like this nightmare of a city, like, you know, 
he could tell her he's Spider-Man. That's what I thought was about to happen. And I was like really wanting it to happen because I wanted to see her mood. I don't like seeing Aunt May like upset, you know, so I wanted him to tell her, but he obviously didn't. But you mentioned that like he's riding such a high and this really changes it. And I wrote the same thing at the very, very end of the episode or maybe like the end of this scene where he just is never doing everything right. You know, that's like Peter Parker's life is just nothing. Not everything is ever going to go his way. Like if his Peter Parker life is good, then it means his Spider-Man life is not going to be good. And if he's really happy and he's a big time superhero Spider-Man, then like he's going to be in trouble in his actual life. So it's just like part of Spider-Man, I think. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's I mean, that's in every good Spider-Man story across all eras. Um, I think you also had a point that he could have told her here that this was his opportunity and he didn't take it because traditionally in the original comics, Aunt May is presented as being like 90 and like being on her deathbed. Like she has to be a great aunt or great, great aunt. They don't call her that, but she's just way too old and she's constantly having health scares. And the reason he doesn't tell her is because like, oh, that could be what gives her a heart attack. That's going to kill her. This is like a younger Aunt May. Like she looks like she's in her 40s or 50s and she's a pretty independent woman. And if he's already decided that his girlfriend at 15 deserves to know then I feel like the woman who's like raising him and housing him and taking care of him and is worried about him also deserves to know in this universe. And um, you know what I thought was going to happen when Peter opened the door and Aunt May was sitting there? What? Um, I actually thought she was going to know he was Spider-Man because he was just on the news and we never see her watching the news. They never show us her watching the news, but we could infer that other people were watching the news. It would make sense if she was watching it also. And he specifically says, someone who's smarter than me said, with great power comes great responsibility. So I was thinking maybe she was going to know, oh, that's the thing that Ben always said, you know, and she was going to be able to put the pieces together. So I did think that this scene was somehow going to get to the fact where she knows he's Spider-Man and then it didn't, which was kind of a bummer. If she had seen that broadcast, I feel like maybe she could have pieced it together. But I'm guessing if you're worried about your 15-year-old nephew and you think he might be dead in a ditch somewhere, you're calling everyone you know, you're not necessarily turning the TV on and like flipping yeah. through the news. I just don't think that's yeah. where her head was at. Yeah. But, um, so... Peter goes to his bedroom and turns on the TV to see the coverage of his battle still on the news. And he says to himself, finally a big time superhero and I'm grounded. So we've heard that phrase big time superhero a couple times from him. It's the first thing he said when he like put on his costume to go fight uh, the green goblin. And then he said it at the beginning of this episode. Of, well, like, and he says it every, every time ago. he's getting beaten down i feel like he says it like he says it self-deprecating kind of like whenever he's like 
in a bad place. He's like, yeah, big time superhero, you know? And then this time he sees everything on the news and he's getting praised and he's like big time superhero. And then he like remembers to himself, like who's grounded. Well, I just think it's interesting that he keeps putting himself in those terms, that that's how he's like trying. That's the lens he's trying to view himself through. It's not just, yeah. Oh, I helped people. There's like a little bit of an ego there where he, he's like, Oh, I'm a big time superhero, or at least I should be. Yeah. Yeah, that um, is interesting. Yeah. And we cut to the last scene, which is Otto Octavius in a laser guarded shield prison cell. And he's talking to himself incoherently about Spider-Man. And Agent Carter and Wu are there, too, talking about how angry Nick Fury is going to be that they were seen on television because it was supposed to be a covert operation. And they say at least they captured captured Octavius and confiscated all of Justin Hammer's illegal experiments. And as they walk away, Doc Ock just keeps mumbling about Spider-Man to himself. And once they're gone, he remembers meeting Peter and the issue ends with Otto in his cell saying his name is Parker. But the shield agents walked away too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't hear that, but he knows. Yeah. Yep. Very good. Yep. What did you think? Um, I like it. I like it as an epilogue to the Doc Ock story. I like it as the end of the Craven story. And it's such a left turn. It's not the ending you were expecting at all. Um, I like it for uh, the character moment, you know, with with Peter and Aunt May and just the rising tension there. Um, I think each issue we covered today got progressively better yeah i i definitely agree with that and i like this one a lot also the starting fight with craven where spider-man just wants to save the people and then he's like easily fighting craven while trying to save them that's great and then that just goes perfectly into him talking to the news which i think is also great and that goes perfectly into like immediate cut to like, oh yeah, you have a real life that is going on also. And like, you're dropping the ball on it with Aunt May. And I'm sure you could tell that like, I thought that was probably the best scene in the comic was, was the Aunt May stuff. Um, and then also, you know, the, the stuff with Doc Ock at the end, I think is good. Um, yeah. So I thought it was really good. I gave it four out of five lies to Aunt May. I'm going to concur with that. It's a it's a high four out of five. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree. I it's tough to give it a perfect score. If this were, if we you know made this an equivalent fraction and we wanted to do it out of ten, I think instead of an eight out of ten, I might give it like a nine out of ten. I completely um, agree. Yeah, yeah, it felt like a capstone to a lot of different plot threads we've been juggling for a few episodes actually and yeah. it it tied them all up into a pretty nice bow but still gave you things to look forward to in the future yeah so you said that's the end of doc ock's storyline but based on him knowing who this is does that not like just 
Is that not the next thread we immediately follow? I'm going to say the same thing that I did for like Green Goblin and Kingpin. It's the end of his story for now. He's still alive. Okay. So, you know, inevitably at some point their paths are going to cross again. But as far as him being the main big baddie that we're building up to every issue and that's on the covers, that time is done for now. We're going to we're going to hit some other points for a while. Okay. Anything else to add on it? Um, so like I said, I think this is a good capstone for what this book has been building to for probably at least 10 or so issues now. Um, I think we're going to take a little bit of a break in the next couple episodes. I think uh, we've been getting behind chronologically in um, Ultimate Team Up just because every issue in this series has been so fast paced leading into the next one and there's like you know not been a great stopping point i think we're going to put a pause and we're at least going to do two maybe three issues of team up before we pick back up in the regular episodes episodes of sorry episodes yeah okay we always have a bad habit of mixing up the word episode and issue because they feel so similar but they mean different things yeah yeah um okay nice well i i'm excited to get into the team up stuff again i think those are fun you do get a more complete story for each issue so at least that's how it has been so far i think it's definitely a different experience than reading the ongoing book yeah okay so is that next next week we're doing um marvel team up whatever the next three issues are Issues 9 through 11. 9 through 11. Okay. Exciting. Um, Zach, did you watch the menu this past week? I knew you were going to ask that, and I'm so disappointed to say I didn't. <laughs> and it's, again, because of what I said at the beginning of this episode. I'm I get like, it. I'm trying to find time for life, man. Good. That's more important. Good. It's more important. But uh, I to, want to, to watch it. To be going will... to the gym. Yeah, I'll try to make time to watch it this week. Okay, that sounds good. Um, And then do you know what I have that is pretty interesting? What is your something else? So I learned a little bit about Brian Michael Bendis. And tell me if you already knew this, but he was pretty instrumental. Maybe that's too generous of a word. He wasn't like the one putting it together, but he was very important in the creation of the Iron Man movie back the first one that came out and like the creation of this Marvel universe. They had like kind of a round table of comic writers that were helping to like build the Iron Man movie. Um, And he was a, a part of that. And he was even on that team up until like 2015. He was like one of the people who were making sure, you know, they'd like ask him for advice about Marvel characters and storylines and things like that. And he specifically wrote the scene at the end of Iron Man where Nick Fury comes in. That was like a Brian Michael Bendis edition. That's interesting. I did not know that. He that is I mean, That's why it's something interesting. 
it doesn't surprise me. He has his hand in a lot of things like, you know, Jessica Jones, the Netflix show. I, I was doing some reading about him and I heard that he did that. And like Luke Cage and he didn't invent he Luke was Cage, a... but he I think he probably added to the character. OK, and they said maybe he w- was like Riri Williams, the next Iron Man. He was like a big part of that as well. He might have. Um, he has invented probably more memorable characters in the last 20 years of Marvel comics than any other writer. And then he went to DC in 2017. Yeah, I was kind of sad because it meant he stopped writing Miles Morales. Oh, I think he'll, I think he'll come back writing, someday. And now he's writing the trash characters at DC. Well, he's writing Superman, which, which we hate. Or he was. I don't follow Superman enough to know if he still is. Yeah. We've already no been over my my feelings on DC. <laughs> I know. That's why I said that. I was just joking. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping he comes back someday. I think he will. Okay, excellent. Well, this was fun. I'm excited for next week. Marvel team up 9 to 11. I feel like it would be best to wrap up the show with some thank yous so you know thank you to the better business bureau for sponsoring us and um i'm gonna write this down but what are the names of the people who helped us out with the logo and the theme song so we can because you know we can we can give them a thank you every every week we should i think we should yeah they they put in some good work for it so our logo was designed by Alyssa seaman and our music so thank you Alyssa seaman And our music was arranged by Ian Hickey. Okay. Well, thanks, Alicia and Ian. And also the Better Business Bureau, which we said. And I feel like there was one other thing that I wanted to... Oh, yeah. And we're we're on YouTube now. So you can also find us along with Spotify on YouTube, Ultimate Spider-Man Pod. And maybe we will put up some videos there. Also, Apple Music, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Instagram, go follow us at First Read Podcast. Love it. All right. John, it was wonderful talking to you as always. I'll see you next week. Yep, you too. See you next week. Mm-hmm.